Hi, everybody. My name is Tom, and I am the lead pastor here at Crossroads. It's so good to um, be together digitally again this week. We are working through our Disrupted by Love series. Leanne did a great job kicking us off last week. Um, and this week, we are going to dive in on a bit of a downer, but I promise it will turn a corner quickly. Um, and here's what I mean by that. All too many of us are all too acquainted with broken promises. The people we put in office, the politicians, um, the, our heroes, the people we look up to, um, they just flat out lie to us. Um, our bosses and coworkers will trade their word, trade their promises for success or for money. Uh, our friends who vow allegiance for the long haul will bounce when things get tough. Or in really extreme cases, uh, people who we are supposed to be able to count on, like our parents, step out either emotionally or worse, emotionally and physically. Human promises are motivated by any variety, personal gain, um, just circumstances, naivete. They're just, they're, their underlying motivations betray them. Um, and so when somebody like me stands in front of you and tells you that I'm going to talk about the promises of God, it, um, well, you just might be tempted to tune out and just say, I'm, I'm good, just see what's on YouTube or or whatever, um, I would ask you not to do that. And because over the course of the next 20 minutes, my hope and my prayer is that I would be able to show you how Jesus's birth in the middle, ancient Middle East is, um, can be just the, the ultimate source of encouragement for us when we think about God's faithfulness to his, to his promises. And we're going to do that um, by looking at Luke chapter 1. And after we get through this, my hope is that you will be just as disrupted by the love of Jesus as the people were in first century Nazareth and Galilee. So here we go. We're going to look at, um, at Luke chapter 1. And before we dive into the text, um, I just want to acknowledge that this is, for a variety of reasons, this can be a difficult text, right? It is, um, if you have a church background, it's familiar. This is one of the Christmas stories. So you hear it at least once a year. So you might be tempted to kind of tune out or gloss over it. Um, if you don't have a church background, you look at it and you're like, man, that's 80 verses long. That is a long chapter. Um, or again, the detail, the level of detail that's in it, the references to the Old Testament that are in it, for a variety of reasons, this is a difficult text. Um, but there is no word in God's Bible that is not valuable. So I would encourage you during the week to, um, to read this. Maybe break it up like 10 or 12 verses at a time and read it a little bit over the course of the week. Because today what I'm going to try to do is summarize as best I can Luke chapter 1 for us by pointing out a few, um, a few of the highlights. And to fully understand it, we have to understand the, the people who are, who are reading this, who it's about, and that's the nation of Israel. These were God's chosen people. It's the, the story of the Old Testament, the story of God and his people and God's pursuit of his people. And he promised along the way that he would, um, he would send a Messiah, a Savior, somebody who would, who would free them from their oppressors, somebody who would lead them, somebody who would um, set the captives free, who would give sight to the blind, who would do all these things. The promises were made hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And I don't know about you guys, but um, 
I get kind of angsty if my order at Starbucks isn't ready when I, when I walk in the door, my Amazon package isn't sitting on my front step uh, inside of those two days. The, the people of Israel were waiting hundreds of years for this promised Messiah. So this is kind of the backstory to Luke chapter 1 where we are um, going to encounter the first Christmas experience. We're going to encounter Jesus' birth. So here we go. The, and I'm going to break it up in a series of, of exchanges for you. And the first one is this exchange between one of God's angels, Gabriel, and uh, an older man named Zechariah. Zechariah was married to a woman named Elizabeth. They were both, scholars tell us, probably pushing 80, and they were without children. This angel shows up to Zechariah and says, hey man, you are still, you are going to have a son. Your wife is going to give birth to a son. And not only is she going to give birth to a son, but he is going to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, his specific job is to prepare the way for the promised Messiah. That's his job. And unfortunately, Zechariah doesn't believe him. He doesn't take him at his word. But the angel wants Zechariah to be confident that God fulfills his promises. And he says this to him. He says, for no word from God will ever fail. That's the angel to Zechariah. That's our first um, uh, kind of peek at God's faithfulness to his promises in, in Luke chapter 1. And as we, as we think to the next account, um, we have uh, the angel showing up to Mary. Right, Mary is a, a young woman probably between the ages of 14 and, and 17. And um, she is engaged to be married, but she's not yet, not yet married. And the angel shows up to her and says, Mary, you too are going to miraculously have a son. And that son is going to be the Messiah. And so um, Mary takes the angel at his word. And this is what's said about Mary because she takes the angel at his word. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The Lord fulfills his promises. Now, the, the next glimpse we get into God's faithfulness in keeping his promises is actually Mary herself in responding to God. She she's, uh, sings this beautiful song. It's referred to as the Magnificat, captured in Luke chapter 1. And part of that song is Mary saying, hey, look, my baby is the, the answer to God's long ago promise. Here's what she said. He has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary saying, hey, my baby is the promised Messiah. You guys, look, this is just what God promised. He's keeping his word to us. And then, so the chapter wraps up. We circle back to Zechariah. And in, um, in a moment of prophecy, prophecy is right like uh, it's a divinely inspired word of truth is the uh, short way to put it. Um, it could be about the future, but it could just as well be about uh, affirming current events as being an act of God. And that's what, that's what Zechariah is doing. As he looks at Jesus and Jesus being brought into the temple, Zechariah says, says this, he's brought here to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So 
the text of Luke, Luke chapter 1 tells us that um, God keeps his word. It tells us that God blesses those who take him at his word. And it tells us that God's timing is perfect. While probably not on our schedule, it is still perfect. And maybe more importantly than what we actually see in the text itself is the context. So the, the context, and what I mean by that is where Luke chapter 1, how it fits into the overall biblical story. And that's this, is that in Luke chapter 1, in the, in the birth of Jesus, we see... Um, so the birth of Jesus is, is called the incarnation, right? It's God becoming man, putting on human flesh and living and moving just, just as we do. That Jesus' incarnation is the assurance of every single promise in the Bible. Jesus putting on human form is the assurance of every promise in the Bible. Here's uh, what theologian uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, this is how he said it. What God did when he sent his son into the world is an absolute guarantee that he will do everything he has ever promised to do. God has given the final proof that all his promises are sure and that he is faithful to everything he has ever said. He is faithful to everything that he has ever said. That's, um, that's pretty amazing. When we think about God's promises, uh, lots of different people have tried to figure out how many promises there are in Scripture. And based on what I could ascertain, it looks like there's probably around 7,500 promises of God to humanity. 7,500, that, that's, that's a big number. Um, and then we think about the nature of the promises of God. And one, uh, one scholar and author put it this way, that God's promises are um, an obligation that he opposes on himself, that he imposes, excuse me, that God imposes upon himself. God, in his perfect nature, in his perfect character, does not have the ability to lie. He makes a promise. It's an obligation that he has now imposed upon himself. He is incapable of breaking it. And lastly, uh, just to point out quickly, as you look at the different biblical authors, how they refer to the promises of God, they say things like never failing. They say things like everlasting. Uh, God's promises are good for, a thou- for thousands of generations. The scope, uh, the, the scope of the description of God's promises is, is immense, and words kind of don't do it, don't do it justice. So, Given all the, all the promises of Scripture, given our current cultural moment, um, I wanted to, I didn't want to do a disservice by trying to do like an overview or categorize or do whatever. I just wanted to focus on one, on one promise that we find in the New Testament book of Romans that I think would really um, just speak to our current moment. And for, again, if you have a church background, this is probably going to be a familiar passage to you. But um, here, I want to I read it to you. And hopefully it will just it will touch your heart and will encourage you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's God's word to us, friends, that we cannot be separated from his love. God's unconditional, intentional, sacrificial love for you and for me is rock solid, iron clad, yours forever. Nothing that 2020 threw at us, nothing that we might face in 2021 could ever separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen? Go ahead and put amen in the chat box if you're tracking with me. Now, I, I get it. You may not be tracking with me because we have had a rough year, right? We've had a rough year just globally. And then layer on that, um, whatever personal stuff we've, we've had to walk through, um, you might be, you just might kind of be in the grips of a sadness. Uh, everything that we've experienced that would t- be totally, totally understandable. You could just be flat out angry, ready to blow your top and that might be keeping you from feeling the strength and the assurance and the the faithfulness of God and his promises. You put all of it together and you might just be just flat out overwhelmed and just getting up every day is, is a little, is a little victory. And so those things, those emotions can, um, can block our ability to not only relate to other people, but to relate to God and to take hold of those promises that he has for us. So I, I want to try to do two things for you, right? I want to, um, sometimes those emotions rob us of the ability to grab hold of the truth that is ours in scripture. So I want to, um, I want to just remind us of that first and foremost. And I want to, I want to do that by reading this passage from Romans. This is just a from, that's telling us um, how encouraging Scripture is supposed to be. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. God wants us to look at the Bible and he wants us to see how the faith the people placed in his promises, his faithfulness to his promises, were brought to fruition and we would be encouraged by that and we might have hope. So, In that vein, let's look at this passage from 2 Corinthians. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. All of the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. All of the promises of God. Jesus' incarnation is the fulfillment and the assurance of every promise of God in Scripture. That's such a great way to remember that. Every promise of God is yes and amen in Jesus. Yes and amen in Jesus. So um, just grab onto that verse, you guys, this week. Read it over um, maybe memorize it, meditate on it, and let it, let it encourage you. The second thing that I want to do for you is just to, we're going to spend a few minutes praying, and um, I've asked the members of the elder and the lead team to join me in those prayers. These guys pray for you on a daily basis. 
Um, so I wanted you to see their faces and, and make that connection and just know how much you are loved and cared for by the leadership of this church and that you might, you might feel this. And we're going to specifically pray prayers of thanksgiving. And um, there's a reason for that, right? The, um, the part of our brain that is wired for relationship can get shut down by those overwhelming emotions, those emotions of being overwhelmed, sad, angry. It can get shut down. What scientists tell us through brain scans is that gratitude can actually open up those relational circuits again. So when we go through a stretch of time like 2020 and we're starting to shut down and we can't, we can't recognize God's love, we can't feel it, we have the truth of scripture to hold on to, right? We also have this thing called gratitude that we can exercise that will open up those relational circuits. And that's what we want to do for you right now. We're going to pray some prayers of thanksgiving to God for who he is and for what he does. And then I'm going to wrap us up real, real briefly. Jesus, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the gift of salvation that is ours in you by grace through faith. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that if there be any person watching this, listening to this, that does not know you, that they would just, they would lean into you right now and say, Jesus, I want to be in a relationship with you. Thank you that that's all we have to do is ask Jesus. Thank you that you were born a baby in, in ancient Israel and that you grew into a man and lived and died and rose again for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. God, you are the very definition of perfect and perfection and truth. Thank you that you are perfect so we don't have to be. Thank you that you have perfect timing so we don't have to control everything. God, just help us trust in you, in your perfection, in, in your timing, in your sovereignty. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you are perfect because you are God and we can trust you and put our faith in you because what you accomplished on the cross and by your resurrection. Thank you for doing that for us. And thank you that all your ways are good and true and perfect. God, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that convicts us, that comforts us, that counsels us, that guides us. Thank you that you left your spirit in us as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God, I pray that um, with all hope, you will fill us with all joy and peace as we continue to trust more in you, that we may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you that our identity is in you. God, I just um, am so thankful that when we follow you and when we love you, that who we used to be is gone and um, God, your Holy Spirit comes in and makes us new. Um, and so God, I just thank you that you have given us each a new identity. Lord, we thank you so much Lord, that even in the midst of confusion and chaos, Lord, that you've given your
people a purpose and a plan. God, you told us that the two greatest commandments were to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, I thank you that uh, when things are confusing, Lord, that we can find purpose knowing that you have already guided our footsteps. Lord, and I thank you that we always have a path to follow. Abba Father, you called us to come before your throne. In Philippians 4, 8, you asked us in our prayers that we just look to you, that we focus our attention on you. We focus our everything on you. And we commit ourselves to be quiet, to come before you and just to be in your presence just to be thankful of what you've given us, making it through this year, praising you all the things that you've done for us this year, and just thanking you and praising you and keeping our minds and our thought focused on what is above and no one's above you. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for the peace that you give us that uh, just surpasses all human understanding and the rest that you give us for our weary and rushed souls, especially during this month of hurry and this season of uncertainty and anxiety. We are so thankful for those promises that you give us. Jesus, we just thank you so much today for your promise that we cannot be separated from the love of God that we have through you. And I just have this picture of being held in God's arms and nothing being able to tear me out of that, that embrace. Lord, I just I thank you that not this pandemic, not loneliness, not unemployment, not any of the things that we are struggling with right now can um, separate us from your love can it might might feel difficult at times and we might find it hard to to feel your love but we know that you cannot be separated from us and that we can trust in you and we can trust in your promises um, no matter what's going on not even death can separate us and we thank you for these promises in your word that remind us so much of how fiercely you love us and how fiercely you've got us thank you Father God, I am so thankful that when we choose to put our faith in you, that you not only adopt us into your family with you as our father, but that we also gain other brothers and sisters in Christ. That um, believing in you, Lord, you, you call us into relationship with you, but you also call us into relationship with others that um, we have one another in times of discouragement and fear that we can build each other up, 
that we can encourage one another, love each other, remind each other of your promises and of your love. I thank you, Lord, that we do not have to walk this walk of faith alone, but grow together in you. Amen. Thank you, elders. Thank you, lead team. So good to be able to, even if it's, if it's digitally and we're not together, but it's still good to call out to our God in prayer to tell him how much, how much he means to us. We look at the promises of God. They are motivated by his unconditional, intentional, sacrificial love. And when we look at those promises, we see that in his perfect timing, God keeps his word and he blesses those who take him at his word. His word, you guys, it's just another way of describing the Bible. Thousands and thousands of promises for you so that you might grow, so that you might thrive, so that you might endure all for you. They are yes and amen in Jesus. And when we walk in those promises, we can become people of promise. When we take God at his word, we can be people who take, who keep our word. And here's, um, here's what I mean by that. When we remember that scripture tells us that God is in control, that frees us from being mean and nasty when things don't go our way in whatever arena, right? When somebody disagrees with us about sex, religion, or politics, we don't have to be mean and nasty because we know God is in control and his truth is going to rise. We know from scripture that God will provide so at school and at work, we can be people of integrity. We can be people who keep our word. We know that God is our peace and he is our rest. So that frees us to engage in those people, um, to engage with people when it might be easier not to. And, and finally, um, we know that God will never leave us or forsake us, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And that frees us to stick around, to be there for people for the long haul because we know God is right there with us no matter how difficult the situation might be. So friends, as we leave, as we go out from here today, I would encourage you to, um, to pick up your Bibles, to remind yourself of all the promises of God that are for us, that are yes and amen. And as we leave from here today, that we might be people of the word and people who keep our word. Amen? All right, let's spend a few minutes worshiping in song with Ben and Angelo and Marcos.